Christmas gifts, the Red Ryder 200-shot range model air rifle. And there he is, Red Ryder himself. In his hand was the knurled stock of as coolly deadly-looking a piece of weaponry as ever I had laid eyes on. I had been scheming to get my mitts on one of these fearsome blue steel beauties. My fevered brain seethed with the effort of trying to come up with the infinitely subtle devices necessary to implant the Red Rider range model air rifle indelibly into my parents' subconscious. of Look magazine <laughs> would find herself cleverly trapped into reading a Red Rider sales pitch. I could feel the Christmas noose beginning to tighten. Maybe what happened next was inevitable. Ralphie, what would you like for Christmas? Horrified, I heard myself blurted out. I want an official Red Rider carbon action 200 yard range ball air rifle. No. Shoot your eye out. Oh, no. It was the classic mother BB gun block. <laughs> You'll shoot your eye out. That deadly phrase uttered many times before by hundreds of mothers was not surmountable by any means known to kiddom. Such a great, uh, great movie. So many good lines in that movie. Uh, some of my favorite ones are, I triple dog dare you. Or uh, some men are Baptist, others Catholic. My father was an Oldsmobile man. That's one of my favorite ones. Or, fragile, it must be Italian. Or maybe my favorite line from the whole movie, only I didn't say fudge. I said the word. Now, some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. Some of you have never seen this movie. And so here's the thing. I'm not going to recap this for you. Instead, I've got really good news for you. Because starting at 5 o'clock this evening, TNT is going to show this sucker for 24 hours in a row. <laughs> Maybe the greatest Christmas tradition of all, TNT is going to show this. So 5 o'clock tonight, turn on TNT. If you don't have it, find somebody who does and just go to their house. Like, don't, just show up. You know, don't have to be invited. Just show up. Watch it. Uh, you got 12 chances. They're going to show it on a loop uh, 12 straight times. But in this movie, the little boy, Ralphie. Uh, he wants the BB gun, and he's kind of the quintessential American kid. He's like eight, nine years old. He knows exactly what he wants, how he's going to get it, and not only that, he knows how it's going to kind of revolutionize and change his life. I mean, there, there's a scene uh, just kind of after that where he's envisioning uh, fending off marauders and robbers from their house with his, with his BB gun, and, and he's just kind of a daydreamer in a way. He knows what gift he wants, he knows what it's going to take to get it, and he knows how much it's going to change uh, his life. And we're a lot like that, especially as kids. But even as adults, we're still kind of that way, right? Except now the roles kind of changed a little bit. As adults, we get to be the gift givers. 
And I love giving gifts. I can't wait till tomorrow morning to watch my kids open their gifts, see the looks on their faces, the surprise on their faces. Yeah, maybe the disappointment in their faces at times. <laughs> you get to the end of the movie and you see the disappointment on, on his face when he holds up the bunny costume. Um, again, if you don't know what I'm talking about, watch the movie because it's a great one. But we, we love that, right? Uh, you all love that. You love giving gifts, whether it's to family, uh, to friends, to neighbors, maybe your favorite pastor. I don't know. You all love giving <laughs> gifts. And you love giving gifts because you know what kind of joy and hope that brings another person. You guys are great at it. In fact, we started a new project this year that, that we're going to make a new tradition around here where we're giving gifts uh, to kids who might not otherwise get anything. So we started this thing called Project Christmas Lights. We asked you all to nominate names. We took those names. We handed them all out. And because of you all, 27 kids are getting Christmas presents this week that wouldn't have gotten anything other, otherwise. And that's, that's awesome. And here's the thing, we've already been taking notes on this as we've done it. We cannot wait for next year to roll around so we can do it better. Because we want to bless even more kids and more families and more people. Because here's the thing, when you give a gift to someone, you're giving that gift with the expectation that gift is going to give them kind of this sense of joy or maybe peace or hope. Especially when you're able to give to somebody uh, who is, is maybe a little bit needier. And, and it's, sometimes it's hard... If, if, if you've done okay in life, it's hard to, to remember that. But I want you guys to think back, if you can, to when you were a kid. And I want you to picture maybe your favorite gift you received as a child, or maybe even as an adult. Picture back to what it was. Maybe it was that new bike you got when you were 10. Maybe it was a new doll or a stuffed animal you got when you were 6. But whatever it was, you got something that just stuck with you. And, and, and you, you treasured that gift throughout all of your life. I know for me, I, uh, I've gotten many great gifts throughout the years from my parents, those great gifts from Santa under the tree on Christmas morning. I've, I've got so many good things over the years. But as I've gotten older, I've started to realize I actually think I appreciate the simpler gifts more. And it's funny because I never make a Christmas list because I've got expensive taste and the stuff I would put on my Christmas list, nobody's going to buy anyway, so what's the point in trying, right? Like if everybody went together, maybe they could get one thing off of it, but... but I, no matter what I got, and I got some good presents growing up, one thing I always looked forward to was either going to church or going to uh, my parents' work parties and getting that brown paper sack that was full of goodies. You know, it had an apple and an orange in it and a candy bar and a candy cane and uh, for some reason a handful of shelled peanuts. I never quite got that one, but whatever. And then sometimes it had like a handful of gummy bears that had been opened, but, you know, kind of sketchy. But you ate them anyway because they're from church. They're probably fine, right? You know, people are trustworthy. It's, it's probably fine. But too often, uh, our gifts, our, our, our mindsets get bigger and bigger with gifts. And what I've found as I've gotten older is, is that often when the gift is more expensive, when the gift is bigger and more complex, it carries with it kind of this unrealistic expectation of fulfillment. Like, I expect this gift to do more for me because of how big and awesome it is. And too often, if we're not careful, we, we want the biggest stocking that we can find, <laughs> Right? And we want this sucker filled to the brim. We want it overflowing. And if we don't get that, we're not happy about it. But what happens is as Christians, too often, we lose sight of the fact that our hope is ultimately found in Jesus. And what we do is we take these, these gifts out of this stocking and we start replacing Jesus with what's in here. Uh, for, for example, maybe, maybe for you, your hope 
uh, this, this year, it, it's in your kids, and it's in their sports, and, or it's in their activities, it's, it's academics, it's what they do. You push them in what they do because you want them to excel, you want them to get good and great, maybe so they can get a scholarship, maybe so they can just get status and notoriety, maybe, maybe we get guilty of kind of living through our kids a little bit. Maybe, uh, maybe instead your, your uh, gift this year is, uh, it's in your self-image. It's in your self-image. You're too wrapped up in what people think of you, how you look, uh, how, what the perception of you is around town, how, how many people know who you are, and you get too busy looking at this face in the mirror to look around at everyone else. Maybe, uh, maybe your gift uh, this year that, that you're confusing is, uh, mine fell apart in here, so forgive my prop, is uh, it, it's money. It's your career. You're worried too much about how much you can make so that you can live the lifestyle you want to live. Uh, you can have all the toys, the house, the cars, the clothes. You can have it all, and, and then you can have a great retirement, and you can go do great things in retirement without having to sacrifice now. So maybe that's your focus. That's your gift. Maybe, maybe your focus, maybe your hope, it's on things that aren't even real. <laughs> it's on TV shows or movies or books or certain characters that aren't even real. But your hope is there, and, and you're either just horrified and angry at how The Last Jedi turned out, or maybe, maybe you really loved it, and you just can't wait till the next one, but, but it sounds silly, and we laugh about it, but some people, that's, that, that's the case. Maybe your hope is in, is in sports, and you've got certain teams that you root for, and certain teams that you live or die with. Mostly die, Right? Right? <clears throat> I mean, I'm, I'm an example of this. My team's playing next week in the Rose Bowl. They win that game, they're going to go to the national championship game against Alabama or Clemson. And if they win that game, that stocking got stuff all over me. If you, they win that game, I'm going to be ecstatic. I mean, I'm going to be through the roof. If they lose, don't talk to me for three or four days, okay? It's just the way it is. But that's kind of the way it is, right? We, we get so wrapped up in, in putting our hope in things like that. And it's easy to laugh. It's easy to have fun with it, but we all, almost all of us do it. We, we put our hope in things that ultimately don't matter, but here's the simple truth. Our hope is found in Jesus only, and without Jesus, we have no hope. Uh, several, several years ago, many years ago, God spoke to the Old Testament prophet Jeremiah, and he said this. He said, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Those words that, that Jeremiah spoke, that were the words of God, were actually given to the nation of Israel. And they were forced into exile. They were pushed out of their homes into slavery in a foreign land. These were people who had no hope. They had no future. And God's telling them, I know the plans for you. And it's plans to give you hope and plans to give you a future. And often our world can feel a lot like that, right? It, it, it's sometimes tough just because of all the stuff that's going on, threats of war, uh, politicians fighting, uh, economics, maybe, maybe various crises throughout the world. We can feel like there's no chance or no hope that we are going to have a good future. Or maybe we swing the pendulum too far the other way, and, and all we do is want to just give and give and give, and we want to we make sure everybody's okay, and everybody's got everything they need, and everybody is, is good, and, and almost kind of shifting our focus of our worship from Jesus to mankind. And we're kind of worshiping the altar of humanity, if you will. And, and as long as everybody's happy, nothing else matters, right? 
And, and what we've done is we've taken our focus off of Jesus and off of God, and we've put it on this world. And when we do that, we lose sight of our eternal promise. That's why Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 15. He said, if, if only for this life I have hope in Christ, then we among all people are the most to be pitied. So what's hope in Jesus look like? What's hope in Christ look like? First, it means a change in how you see yourself. Uh, If my hope in this world is founded on a set of dates, starting in 1982 and going through whatever that second date on my tombstone will one day be, if that's where my hope is, then then everything about me is going to be determined on what the world decides is valuable or successful how much money I make, what kind of job I have, what kind of house I have, where I live, how many Facebook likes I get, how many Twitter followers I have, etc., etc. We, we focus basically who we are on what the world tells us is important. But see, here's the thing. If you're a follower of Jesus, here's the truth. My value, your value, was determined when Jesus decided to give up his, his, his divine heavenly seat and come to earth as a baby. John chapter 1, verse 14 says, the word became flesh. That's Jesus. Jesus became flesh, and he made his dwelling among us. Jesus wanted to become like us so he could teach us how to become like him. Uh, I don't know if, if you're like this. I've noticed with myself, the more I'm around certain people, I mean, if it's a friend, uh, a, a coworker, whatever, if I'm around somebody for a long enough stretch of time, I start acting like that person. Uh, even my hobbies kind of will, will differ a little bit. What movies I watch, music I listen to, how I talk, even the words I say, and if, if I have an accent. If I'm around somebody from the South for a while, I'll start talking kind of like that a little bit. I've just noticed that with myself. I kind of become more like the person I'm around. So if I spend my time with Jesus, if I spend my time with him, I know for my own self, I'm going to become more like him. The more time you're with him, the more you're going to be like him. And the more you're like him, the more you're going to see a change in who you are. But second, hope in Christ also means a change in what you do with your life. 1 John chapter 3 says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. That's what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now that we are children of God and, and what we will be has not yet been made known, But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves as he is pure. Christmas, uh, it comes as this this chance for us to reflect and to remember uh, how it all started. This little baby born to, to very ordinary, humble parents in a borrowed stable, uh, this baby who grew up to be just a, a humble and simple man, who, who never wrote a book, who never led an army, and yet over 2,000 years later stands alone as the singular most important person in human history. Uh, this is Jesus of Nazareth. He was far more than, than just a man. He was God in the flesh. He gave us the chance to see God and to have access uh, to God. He was challenged and tempted in, in all the same ways that we were, yet he did not sin. And then in the climax of human history, Jesus of Nazareth went to the cross to redeem the sins and the brokenness of all humanity. And then two days later, he rose from the dead and he ascended into heaven and he's been ruling with God ever since. And one day soon, 
I don't know when. Maybe during my lifetime, maybe not. Someday soon, he's going to come back. He's going to collect his church. We will share in his resurrection, and we will live with him for eternity. That's the hope of Jesus. That's the hope of Christmas. That's hope that you can't buy in a store. It's hope you can't get delivered to your house two days free shipping. That's the hope that happened when Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Hope, joy, peace. They're found in the greatest gift of all, Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we're so thankful that we can celebrate your birth. God, that we can get to understand a little bit more about who you are. Because we know, Lord, that with you, there is hope. With you, there is peace. And with you, there is joy. And God, we understand that those don't come from anyone or anywhere else, only from you. So God, my prayer today is that if anybody does not know you, Lord, you would make yourself known to them through one of us, through our lives, through our words, just, just in, in passing. Or God, that you would just maybe tap them on the shoulder and say, hey, I'm right here. I'm right here. I'm ready to talk. And you would just wrap your arms around them, Lord, and let them know I love you just like you are. I love you, and you're one of my children. God, we're so thankful for Jesus. We're so thankful for just that hope that we have, that blessed hope. God, that this baby would be born to die and to raise again and to ascend to heaven and one day come back and reign for eternity, Lord, and that we get to share in all of that with him. God, we're so thankful for Jesus, and we're thankful for the, the reason we can celebrate this season. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.